You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here is your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Allison Renborg in beautiful Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And you are listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Equine Affair, episode 3,121. That's a lot of episodes. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, Horse World. It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode, North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. Well, we are almost exactly two months away from Equine Affair in Ohio, and that's in April. And we're going to be having some guests on today. We're going to be covering a little bit of a follow-up to one of the breed segments we did, talking about a very specific Akultecki and what they're going to be doing at Equine Affair with uh, all the Akultecki's that'll be there. And also, we're going to be talking driving and how, you know, how do you maintain connection? with a driving horse that's the thing that is most asked about from riders right they want to know how do you maintain connection how do you maintain control how do you do all of the aids that you do while riding only while driving and we have uh, sterling is joining us today he'll be uh, doing some demonstrations at equine affair but he's going to join us to answer that big question but before we get to all of that uh, we finalized what's happening as far as equine network and we're going to be there, and I'll be set up in the Equine Network booth is where Allison and I will be recording, what, three episodes of Horses in the Morning. That's right. Three awesome episodes. It's going to be good. Yeah, so you and I work together for the first time together, in person. In person. Yeah. Because, I, I mean... You know, we've met and we've been working together, but it's different when you're in person. Yeah, it is different. And I enjoy it so much because I get very seldom get to do it. You know, I record all these episodes all year long and a, a few times every year I get to work with Jamie and with you guys, with my other co-hosts. And I, I'm, I am looking forward to it. We're going to have a great location. Equine uh, Networks booth will be set up where? That's in the sponsor building, right? It's in Sponsors Row in the Bricker Building. So that's the really big trade show building. It's kind of the one right in smack in the center of all the buildings that we kind of filter out to in Equine Affair. Um, it's where there's food just outside. I know that's important to you, Glenn. I, I um, want the food, yes. <laughs> the food has to be close by and the bathroom has to be even closer. So They're both right there. Two requirements right there. Don't worry. So, yeah, Sponsors Row is right up close, uh, snugged in behind the information booth for Equine Affair. So you're kind of the first line of... Of defense. Well, I think we have a big booth, so I don't think you can miss it. It's kind of a large booth. It's a 10 by 30. Uh, Equine Network is bringing it. Big time. And we're just a small part of that booth. But we will announce when we're going to be recording our show so that people can come by and watch. Yes. Um, And I know we have fans and listeners that want to do that. We're also going to be – we have a couple announcements here that we're going to make for the first time on this episode that I've been kind of holding off on. And I know you have one, so let's talk about yours first with the raffle. 
Oh, yeah. So the raffle, uh, this is actually one of the favorite parts of my job. Um, twice a year, we hold an online raffle, one before Ohio and one before Massachusetts. And I have been working, I feel like, for six months on this raffle. Not really six months, but a long time trying to get it up and running. And it is up and running again. Uh, so the raffle is officially open. And the way that you enter is you go to our beautiful website, equineaffair.com. And you go to the Ohio event and then Ohio participate and then enter the raffle. And so the way it works is that you enter and you fill out a little survey and answer some questions about your ponies and your pony experience and the things you like about Equine Affair. And then your name goes into a drawing. And then after the event is over, I use my uh, computer magic and I draw winners. And so and does the, the winner win an Aquatechie? Well, kind of like a pocket-sized one. I, okay. you're, I'm getting there. Okay. So uh, the prizes this year, uh, you could win one of three $100 gift certificates to Bronco Western Supply Company. They're also one of our exhibitors, so you should definitely check out their booth. Uh, one lucky winner is going to win a model briar horse of Adamek the Akultecki, autographed by one of our guests, uh, this episode, which is his trainer and writer, Sabine Desper. So she is going to autograph the briar and then some lucky person is going to win it. So yes, you are winning an Akultechi, kind of. Okay. And, and then, uh, we've also got uh, four people will win $250 gift certificates to Back on Track USA. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then 10 winners will get uh, a pair of single-day admission tickets to the 2024 Equine Affair in Ohio. That's fantastic. And how, So how do they enter again? Yeah, so they, well, there's actually two ways you can enter. You can go to our website, equineaffair.com, and enter online. Or um, our direct mailer just hit a ton of mailboxes. And so if you got a direct mailer in your mail, uh, there's actually a form you can fill out on the back and then you can bring it to the info booth at the event and hand it right to me. And I will take it home and enter it into the spreadsheet and you'll be entered that way. So you can either do it the online way or you can hand it right to me and I'll do it. That's terrific. Well, very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about that. And I'm also excited to announce, as far as Horse Radio Network and Horses in the Morning is concerned, that I had a conversation we just confirmed with Wintech that we're going to be giving away another saddle. We gave one away at Christmas time, but you're going to have your opportunity to win your choice of any Wintech saddle. We will start the registration for that on March the 1st, and then we'll, we'll run it all the way through Equine Affair. You'll be able to log in there and sign up even at Equine Affair. And then on the last episode of Horses in the Morning that we do at Equine Affair, we're going to pick the winner. So we're going to pick the winner at Equine Affair right on the air. And you can win even if you're not there. It doesn't matter because uh, you'll get your saddle shipped directly from Wintech and you'll get your choice of any Wintech saddle. And that's up to like a $1,500, $1,600 value now with some of the dressage saddles. So I know our last winner at Christmas is absolutely loving her dressage saddle. She showed us pictures and she's loving that thing. So we're going to have more announcements about that as they come up. But you're hearing about it here first and anybody will be able to win uh so you you can even win if you're not going to equine affair but we'd prefer that you were actually there yeah yeah we we'd like you to be there but you don't have to be that's there. correct um so. same goes for our raffle you don't have to be there but 
please come and also enter the raffle. But I mean, man, a saddle, that's that's a pretty cool prize, Glenn. So the other thing is there's a way you can actually get into Equine Affair and uh, both Equine Affairs, this one and the one in Massachusetts, uh, for free, right? Yes. <laughs> there is. I'm okay, sorry. now stop there. That was the most beautiful transition I've done all week. It was just seamless. I am leaving this in because I want everybody to see how good I was and how you dropped the ball on this one. That was absolutely seamless. It couldn't have been any better. I threw it. I lobbed it. It was right there for you to catch it. And you blew it. I have a cold and probably a fever, okay? Okay, I'm leaving this okay. in. This is not getting no, cut. So Jennifer, you can leave if you it hear in. this, you leave this in because this leave is it funny. In. All right, I'm going right, to try again on. round two. Take two. Thank you. All right, so there's another way that you can get into Equine Affair for free, isn't there, Allison? Absolutely there is. So <laughs> our volunteers... Okay, we did a segment <laughs> in the post-show about four or five episodes ago where we talked about improv. And how important improv is in your everyday life and how we're both trained improvisational performers. Just throwing that out there. Okay, you can go on now. Okay. (laughs) Volunteering. Uh, Are you really going to leave all this in? Oh, yeah, it's staying in. This isn't going. Are you kidding? They'll love this. All right, all Mm. right. Well, I'll I'll be available to do autographs at Equine (laughs) Affair. All right. Yes. Uh, If you are a volunteer, you can get into Ohio for free and Massachusetts for free. And here's how. So every year uh, we look for a huge uh, company of volunteers to help us put on this event because it's gigantic. Glenn, you have been there before. Uh, It's huge. (laughs) Yes, you've been there. It's huge. I'm telling the truth. I have a cold. I'm pretty sure I have a fever. So everything's a little (laughs) wavery. Um, so it's huge. We need volunteers. We depend on you guys. We love you guys. We have people who have volunteered with us for years and years and years. And so the cool thing is not only do you get to hang out with cool people like me, um, (laughs) my cool level is dropping rapidly (laughs) today. Um, cool people like me and my coworkers, but also you get to hang out with, um, all the awesome people who come to the event, like Sterling and like Sabine and all the cool guests you've heard. Um, and so please volunteer. The deadline to volunteer is February 24th. We would prefer that you go ahead and put in your application by then, um, although we may still have spaces available afterwards. So you might still get a slot if you're late, but go ahead and apply and volunteer. Um, you can earn, I think you work two shifts and you get free admission. Uh, I think you work eight hours or more and you can earn a four-day pass. Don't quote me on that, but there's a certain number of hours you earn, you work, and you get a free four-day pass. Um, and I know that uh, work- Land Rover and shows like like Land Rover and, and yours do do this for volunteers, and they are mm-hmm. critical. I mean, you can't run the show without them. There's just too much going on. We can't. On. Yeah, because yeah, we have a teeny tiny staff. We have six of us who work full-time year-round, and then we have contract staff who we depend on for each event, and then we have our volunteers. So there's three groups of people who work our event. Um, and so in addition to free admission, you can also work a certain number of hours and get a cool souvenir. And that's a, an exclusive little benefit just for our volunteers. So 
uh, please do. And the way that you do that is you go to equineaffair.com and you find our volunteer form and then you fill it out and send it to Lori, who is our wonderful business manager. So please do that. We'd love to see you there. And uh, I will autograph uh, for you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you an autograph for how badly I dropped the ball on Glenn's transition. <laughs> so you heard it here first. <laughs> well, let's get to our first guest, Sabine Desper. It, Sabine was born in Germany and has lived in the United States since 2000 and in Virginia since 2009. She has been riding since she was nine years old. Her passion is dressage, and she has enjoyed three-day eventing and fox hunting in the past. She fell in love with the Aquateki breed in 2009 when she started working for Shenandoah Farm in Virginia. They had 35 Aquatekis there, which was probably the most in one place in the whole mm -hmm. of the northern continent. <laughs> she has continued to work with several of them, and she'll be at a Equine Affair in Ohio and the Breed Pavilion, along with Adamek, who is her prior horse. Well, I'm so excited today in this episode that we get to have a follow-up from the episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. We did a breed highlight on the Aquatechies, and the Aquatechies are going to be well represented with six or eight of them at Equine Affair in Ohio. I'm so excited to meet some of them. And we have Sabine Desper here with us, who has one that was made into a briar horse. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hello. Yes, it's uh, an honor to be with you. So I'm excited to meet all the Aquatechies, especially since we've been talking about them so much over the last couple of weeks. But you have one that's been made into a briar horse. Tell us about that horse. Yes, Adamek. Um, Adamek is a coming 18-year-old Aquatechie stallion, and we were excited that he became the briar uh, model in 2022 last year. Oh, wow. um, I've known Adamek since he was four years old, and uh, we've been, I'd say, training together since he was six years old, and we've been competing generally in dressage and three day eventing over um, the last, oh, yeah, many, many years, it seems. I can count on one hand the number of Aquatechies that I have known that have been three-day eventing, personally. So is this a rare thing, or is it something they're really good at, and I just don't know many of them? Um, well, I, I would say they are really good at it. Um, they just come with very good gates, so that's you know very suitable for dressage and uh, most of that I've met, I love to run, are really, really, really good over jumps, very athletic horses. And uh, what I have seen are extremely good in, uh, have extremely good recovery rates, very important in, in uh, running and jumping and going at high speeds. So, um, of course, we haven't seen that many in any sports because they are the rare breed and uh, not that many numbers are just out there. But um, um, yes, we had, we had extremely fun times at three day eventing just because um, Adamek especially enjoyed doing that. Um, just, you know, doing what he, he really liked to do is jumping. <laughs> so what made Adamek special? Um, well, Oh, where do I start? <laughs> um, <laughs> he is a really, really sweet horse. Um, 
I mean, a little bit counts against him that he's a stallion. So there's always the hormones that can get in the way. But generally, he's such a sweet horse. He's very smart. Um, that's not always a good thing in training. Um, I didn't just say that, but um, <laughs> he really, though. really likes. <laughs> yes, right. He really likes to try. He tries hard, and um, he is just sweet on the ground and very trainable. Um, also, making it. How do I say it? Um, you know, you don't want to get trained too fast, too hard on very smart horses and sensitive horses. Um, so, you know, just to keep training and life fun, um, we would go through the levels maybe a little slower than other trainers and, uh, competitive pairs would go, but, um, yes, he's, he's a super sweet guy and, um, he's great in the barn. He's great to be around. Just, just a people guy, I would say. So I love to ask on the, on, on kind of legendary horses like this, what was, there's always one or two things that are the tough things to train with them. They always have one or two things that they just don't want any parts of. Because um, <laughs> that's the kind of personality of, of the champion horses, right? Um, so yes. what was his one or two things that he just he just didn't want any parts of? And it's not usually because, you'll back me up on this, it's not usually because they don't know how to do it, they don't want to do it. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it, it, it might sound cheesy. There was really nothing that he would absolutely not do. Um, you know, when, especially when it comes to three-day eventing, I would say, um, you know, most dressage is <clears throat> relatively, very relatively easy at the lower level, at the lower level. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was never an issue. And I would say, jumping was never an issue at that height again we didn't go big tour we didn't go huge and very fast and he never objected to water or ditches and that's usually the if there's a problem on cross country um that's the thing maybe um now he was always super good on that uh, what doesn't come easy to him in dressage now that we are doing a little bit upper level dressage is possibly the collection um, and I want to say that's a little bit of the confirmation of an Akrotechi. They are a little bit longer in the back, it makes them harder to carry and push weight. Um, so he's not a huge fan of collection. Um, but he, it doesn't mean that he doesn't try hard. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never gotten the no, no, I, I cannot, don't want to do that on him. Well, that, thankfully, that, yeah, I was just going to say, thankfully, that's terrific. Yeah. Is there a phase that usually when I talk to three day eventers, I usually I always love to ask, is there a particular phase that maybe is your favorite or that Adam X that is Adam X favorite? Like, do you really love the cross country or you really love the show jumping or what just makes you happy when you do? Yes, it? I, I would say the, the cross country, just, mm -hmm. you know, galloping, taking uh, jumps out of stride and maybe challenging a little bit challenging on combinations. We do love to used to do love to do that. Absolutely. Um, and that stadium. is always the answer. <laughs> every yes, time, right? every single time. Every time. It's the cross country. Yes, that, that's Sorry. what makes the three day eventing so special is the cross yeah. country. Absolutely. Yes. 
So I have to ask because we've had we've you know we over the years we've had a lot of briar horses people and uh, I wish we could say we were talking to the horses but um, <laughs> when we've had briar on the show many 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 times we've been good friends with the briar people how how did Adamek come to their attention? Um, so I was not involved right in the beginning. Um, I know Briar contacted our Akaltechi Association president and asked for suggestions. And their criteria at this point was a horse that was still competing, had a show record of some sort, and um, that was their priority. So obviously Adamek was in the group of suggestions and I do not know why specifically they chose him. Not that I'm not happy about it, of course, <laughs> but I'm thrilled. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know who else was in the run for it and particularly why they picked Adamek. Maybe, well, I mean, I know character-wise it was also suggested that he was, you know, a very friendly horse, which of course is important. At Briarfest. Mm. I was just um, going to ask if you went to Bar- Briarfest. We did, yes. We went to Oktoberfest last year. Yes, very and exciting. Br- and <laughs> that is a true experience, isn't it, if you've never been before to yes. Briarfest? <laughs> yes, it is amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the wonderful people, I mean, all ages and all... Uh, just so curious about the specific horse and knowing your horse, you walk through the crowd and somebody says, there's Adamek. And uh, that will never happen at a regular horse no, show. Not in a million you know, years. You're just a number. <laughs> these people are, a, these are collectors. They know the yes. horses. <laughs> yes, yeah. they do. It's, it's amazing. And yes. you're right. It's I amazing. mean, isn't it weird though to go through a crowd like that and you'll have a 12 year old say there's Adamek. Right. And yeah. they know about the breed, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because so, they yes. read the box. They know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They're experts, no yeah. doubt. <laughs> it is kind of cool. I mean, it is an experience. Everybody should go to a Briar Fest once. Um, yes. Because it is an experience, and especially if you're a horse person, because a lot of those people aren't horse people. So they're collectors. And the, mm-hmm. you, there's a di- it's the only place you can go to a horse show and find uh, find the different the other side right uh, mm-hmm. the side yes. that are collectors that aren't necessarily horse people so it's a, it's just a different right. experience and a lot of fun to watch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, and I'm excited to say that we are going back in uh, this year in July. Yay. We'll be back oh, at Briar cool. Fest. <laughs> Good for you! Yay! Yeah. Now, yeah. now you have a few other Alcaltechies too, right? Yes, uh, less now that uh, I used to work for a farm, Shenandoah Farms, um, that had 35 horses on the farm, purebred Akaltechi. So um, unfortunately, that uh, the owner passed away and the herd was dispersed. So now I actually only have two purebred Akaltechis, um with me. So and, greatly and, reduced. And numbers. is Adamek a stud? Is he stallion? Yes, he is. So that's how you're keeping his legacy going? Yes. Well, I hope to breed more horses to him, um, but we'll see. Uh, we have a few scheduled this year, but yes, I definitely would like to continue his legacy in, in some way or another. <laughs> now, uh, Allison, are, so with the, breed, with the breeds that show up at Equine Affair, do they do demonstrations and things too? Yeah. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And oh, what will sorry. you guys be doing? Do you know? Um, yes, so uh, we do have 
three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of demonstrations in various rings, of course. Um, and we have the breed booth with a breed uh, stall right next to the booth. So we will try to have a horse next to our informational booth uh, on all four days. Wow, that's pretty cool. And, you know, they are stunning. They stand out. So, you know, the, <laughs> especially a crowd that has horses but has never seen a knuckle techie, they do stand out. I hope so. They do to me. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. I had the, the honor of meeting my first Acoltechi ever uh, in Massachusetts last year at Equine Affair. Um, it wasn't Adamek, unfortunately, but he was an awesome horse. His name was Gerald. Uh, and just looking at him, it's it's so interesting to look at an Acoltechi alongside a quarter horse or alongside um, any of the other lighter breeds, they really do have a different look. They're just so, like you were talking about, they're longer. They definitely are longer. They're so sleek. They're so, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, and I loved seeing that shine in person. Because, you know, as a horse person, you grow up and you read about Akletekis and you read about the unique coat quality. But you and you see it in pictures, like I'm looking at a picture of Adamek right now, and I can see it. But in person, it's just such a different thing to actually see it with your own eyes. It's pretty cool. Yes, and it's very hard to describe because a lot of people think it's the color. And, mm -hmm. of course, you, you see it more on a Palomino or Cremello or Perlino. But the mm -hmm. actual the chestnut, a bay, can have that extra, almost a top layer of shiny chrome to it uh, yes it's it's always i think it's fascinating every now and then the the light hits uh you know hits them just right it's it's still it's mesmerizing to me still yeah. it's kind of like a, a freshly waxed uh antique car something about that it's like the layer of wax on a, a really fancy antique car and then it catches in the light or something that's the only thing that i can think of that it's kind of like and except it's on a real live creature who doesn't have a coat of wax on he's just he's just shines like that yes yes <laughs> well we are looking forward to seeing all of them how many did you say we're going to be there um i expect to have i'm hoping six or eight by thursday and i hope sorry friday and saturday okay. or maybe a smaller awesome. group on thursday but we will be there that's terrific. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Allison, where, where is the Breed Pavilion at in Ohio? How can people find it? Yeah. So the Breed Pavilion, I believe, is in the Voinovich. Uh, correct me, Sabine, you probably know better than I am at this point because my brain's in a million different directions. Do you remember the no, name of the building? No, that sounds correct. Yes, okay. Voinovich. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Voinovich Center. Uh, and so... The trade, the main big trade show building is in the Bricker, and then we've got the Coliseum right in front of the Bricker, and then the Voinovich is uh, below that if you're looking at our map. So, um, and we'll also have exhibitors in the Voinovich alongside the Breed Pavilion, and I think a demo ring, if I'm remembering correctly, will be there too. So there's lots of stuff to see at Equine Affair and all the buildings, but the Voinovich is where you're going to spot your Breed Pavilion. Uh, exhibitors and meet Adamek. Well, Sabine, when I come, I'm going to be there. So when I get there, I want a picture with Adamek because I try and get pictures with all the Wonderful. briar horses I can. So I'll stop by. <laughs> awesome. That right. sounds great. All right. So, Sabine, where can people find Adamek? Is there a website? 
Um, he is on Swan Farm Akaltechi's website, uh, probably under their um, stud or stallions at stud. Sounds terrific, and we'll put the link in the show notes as well. Thanks, Sabine. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So, so I'm looking forward to seeing all the breeds there. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I am actually making my travel reservations right now, which I need to talk to you about after the show. But uh, I was looking at hotels, and I was looking at flights and all of that stuff. So do you, do you have a deal with certain hotels? What's, what's the deal here? We do. Uh, so we have host hotels, and I usually uh, get to feature a few of them each month on our Facebook, too, by name. But we have a list of host hotels on our website, and they're the ones who offer discounted rates and room blocks to our equine affair attendees. Do any of them offer transportation? Oh, you know, I think that's noted on the website, okay. too. got it. Yeah. I think there may be some that have shuttles to the airport. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Lori is our lovely business manager and she does all of that stuff and she makes those notes on the website, including how far away they are from the venue. So that's where you would go to find all that cool stuff out. And I was looking, I went on the Travelocity to see what was available and it looks like there's a lot of rooms available around there. It's a college area too. So that usually means there's more hotels. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And And, yeah. And And the room blocks are good through March 31st usually. Okay. And it's, all right, so I need to check that out too. I'll go to the website and check that out. Go to uh, just go to the main website. Yeah, so you go to equineaffair.com, and then everything on our website is split between Ohio and Massachusetts. So make sure you you're the on the Ohio <laughs> tab because we, no joke, we've already had people um, call us about Massachusetts, and they're like, "You haven't, you haven't filled out the website for Massachusetts yet," and it's like. Well, no, because we're working on Ohio right now. Um, So if you get on there and you see info for last year, 2022, uh, you're probably in the Massachusetts tab. So just make sure you get on the right event tab for Ohio and all that info is there. Very good. Do you want to introduce our next guest? I would love to. So Sterling Grayburn is a well-known driving aficionado who has won countless awards in his discipline, both nationally and internationally. He trains and competes in pleasure and combined driving with singles, pairs, tandems, unicorns, and four-in-hands. He's also presenting on multiple driving topics at Equine Affair in Ohio this spring, and he has graciously agreed to come on the show and talk all things driving with us. Hi, Sterling. Welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. How are you today? I am doing great. How about yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you. We are going to have you in Ohio in April, and so we wanted to have you on the show and help promote the event and talk a little bit about what you're going to be doing with us at Equine Affair. So why don't we start off, tell us a little bit about the clinics that you're going to give. What are you What are you planning to teach our, our audience? Well, you know, I, Allison, I'm always open to, to questions regardless of what the topic is, but primarily I find a lot of people really want to know, you know, how to how to have better communication with their with their driving horse, especially people that are maybe more familiar with riding and and learning how to drive, but also, you know, other drivers just want to improve their their scores and their communication. So, a lot of what we talk about is is how to to maintain a, a correct and and effective contact um and to keep our horse forward into that contact when we don't have our seat in our leg. 
Yeah, because that's, you know, I'm not a driver. I think I shared that with you. I know nothing about it. I am strictly a saddle, you know, get in the saddle, ride the horse girl. So talk to me a little bit about how do we replace the legs and the seat and the weight shift and all of those things that we, uh, you know, equestrians use to communicate with our horses while riding. How do you get, how does that translate to driving? There, there are some things that we, we just can't do, you know, like mm-hmm. you mentioned weight shift. I know I can't, I can't specifically say weight my right stirrup or my left stirrup or my right mm-hmm. seat bone or my left seat bone. I, I just can't replace that with driving. Um, what I, what I do have is my voice and my whip as, as driving aids. Um, so, you know, those, those things are still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the longest time I drove the same way I'd been taught to ride. So I was always pushing into my outside rein with my, my whip to replace my leg. And, and that, that gets you there. But then I had some smart people that I drove with that had more experience than I did. And they said, Hey, try this. And so I kind of don't do the same thing. Um, and what I do, I sort of, you know, describe it as a little bit um, with my inside rein, I'm a little bit replacing the support that the inside leg would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so where a lot of especially English and dressage-based riders are used to more support on the outside rein and they're very active on the inside rein, I'm a little bit more supportive on the inside rein with my <clears throat> uh, driving and then a little bit more active on the outside rein. Neither rein is ever really static. Um mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little a little thing with my hand where I, I take one hand and I grab the, the fingers with, you know, like sort of like a an L shape. So fingertip to fingertip. And I say, so if you if you make that hand, if you relax the one hand that is um, the base hand of the T or the L, as we'll say, um, and uh, say that that's that's that inside rein. And then if I relax that hand and I, I pull those fingers with my other hand, which would be the the the, op, the opposing rein, the outside rein, all I get is my fingers just bend. Um, and so I equate that to if you don't support the inside rein enough when you're asking for that with your driving horse, all you do is turn their head to the outside, you mm-hmm. know, because there's no leg to hold it together. There's no leg to, to, to keep pushing that into that outside rein. So when you take when you take on your outside rein, all you're getting is is that just their head turned to the outside. But then if you support that inside rein and you say, okay, this is as much as I'm going to give back. First of all, you, you limit how far the horse can flex his body to the outside if you don't give that rein back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially with a, when you're driving a horse, if you have, um, uh, well, not if, you always have way more length of rein than you do when you're riding. And and then also with the carriage, you know, and it's very it's a little different between a two wheel carriage or a four wheel carriage, but that horse also moves farther away from you and closer to you in ways that you don't have to accommodate when you're riding. You know, you may have to accommodate a little bit of flexion and neck and things like that, but they don't physically get farther away from you or closer to you as the as they go into draft or come out of draft or as they bend, you know, towards you or away from you. So this also is a difference that we have to accommodate when we're driving versus riding. But if you if I take if I sit you on the carriage and have you hold the reins the reins evenly and just follow your horse and I take your horse's head and flex it to the right or to the left, your hands, if you maintain even contact, are gonna have to move forward. Yes. And maybe back, but 
if I don't if I don't shorten the one side, then you just have to move forward with the other side. If that makes sense. If yeah. if I if I so so we're riding. I can do most of that without really moving my hands very far at all because I'm not having to go around their body as they do that from where I'm sitting way behind them riding. I'm sitting, you know, just a few feet, you know, behind behind their their head. So I don't have to accommodate all that bend and that length going around of, of curvature of the body. You know, I have to maybe accommodate for some curvature from the neck to me, but not their whole body. Whereas if I'm driving, I've got to accommodate all that length of body and all that length beyond that to me in reins. Um, you know, so where, you know, you might have three or four feet of reins when you're riding and you've got, you know, 12 or 14 feet of reins when you're driving. So, so that's a big difference that we have to accommodate for. And, and also in that contact, um, so if I'm, you know, going on uneven ground, say, and I go up the hill, the horse comes closer to me because of the, the upgrade, but then they're going farther away from me because they're fully in draft and maybe, you know, getting a little bit on the forehand. When we go down the hill, then they come closer to me because also the carriage, the angle has changed and I'm getting closer to them. But then also the carriage is closer to them, especially if I don't use my brakes, because the carriage has physically rolled closer to them. I'm on the carriage, so I've gotten closer to my horse. So, you know, it can be that, you know, within the space of, you know, a few, you know, 10 feet, two strides, whatever, I might have to go from leaning forward a little bit to leaning back a little bit or, or you know, you know, bringing my hands closer to my body or farther away from my body to accommodate that movement between the horse or more specifically the horse's mouth and my hand. So, and all of this going on, you also have use of the whip and your voice, right? So we were talking about the fact in, you know, in regular dressage and ridden dressage, you use your voice and they're kicking you out of the ring. Correct. So here, though, you know, voice commands have always been, you know, I grew up in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. The Amish used mules and horses and draft horses and everything. And you hear them constantly talking to their plow horses. So how important is that when it comes to competition driving? Um, it, it's imperative. And, and you know, so I like to have a very, very precise vocabulary that I use with my horse. And, and, and I also, you know, it's, it's just like if you were riding, you want your horse responsive to the leg. You don't want your horse to be unresponsive to your voice. Um, so, you know, you want your horse to, you know, to basically, when you say go, you want your horse to go, and when you want your horse to slow and you say slow, that's what you expect to happen. I do some very specific things, you know, so I have, you know, a walk command, a trot command, maybe a lengthen command, maybe I, I do something that, that I indicate for a collected trot. Uh, I, do, I personally do not do directional commands. And I'll I'll come back to that. No yees um, and haws with. No, no, I, I don't. I don't do things, and, and I'll tell you why. For one, because if I were driving a four, as as you can remember, perhaps, yeah. If I said turn right, gee haw, whatever, to the four horses in front of me, and they all turned right at that moment, yeah. I would pile up on. Yeah, reckon the making. <laughs> right. So so in in particular, I I don't do that. Um, I know a lot of people feel that it helps them a lot. And with a single and a pair, I could sort of see how that might be helpful. I think it gets a little bit problematic when you start doing it with a four, because then they can all turn at the same moment. And you you don't want that. You want your leaders turning before your wheelers turn. But, uh, you know, I have one very specific thing that I do for, for obstacle driving, hazards driving. If I kiss at my horses, that means 
run like you're on fire. <clears throat> and so I expect that when I kiss, they gallop as fast as they can. Now, if I'm trotting along doing a nice collected trot and I kiss at them, they might twitch a little bit before they actually did it to make sure I really meant it. But I teach, I teach a go command and I teach a very specific woe command. And that woe command, when I say woe, whatever, whatever you choose to use, I, I make that little sound. I expect that horse to understand that that means to stop right now. And maybe we do a little modified something like that that means slow down a little bit. But I never use the same command and then for, for, for two things and expect to get the one that I, I mean when I've used it for two different things. For example, if, if I wanted to slow down and I said easy and then I said halt and I wanted to halt and I said easy – I'm not going to expect my horse is going to know which time I mean whoa and which time I mean slow down. That's the right. same with so, your kids, right? I mean, it's the, kind of the same thing with little kids. In theory, yes. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. so 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 say what you mean, mean what you say, um, and 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 you know, and we teach that by repetition. You know, we don't go out there and, and, and you know start reefing on them if they don't do it. But every time I say whoa, you know, I I, I you know maintain. A, Woeing contact until I get the woe. And then I teach, you know, that the faster you do it, the sooner I, I release you and the, and the more praise you get. But, but, you know, back to the contact and the connection. So, yes, and, and the whip. And, of course, in, in driving in particular, you know, we have a big long whip because it has to, in theory, it's supposed to reach the shoulder of the farthest horse. So okay. if, if I'm driving one horse or a pair, it needs to reach the shoulders of those. But if I'm driving a four or a tandem, it needs to reach the horse in front of that. So we have this big long whip. Um, and, and it's really hard to use a whip that that's, is that long without somebody seeing you use it. And so, of course, in all equestrian sport, we have to be very careful about the perception of abuse. Um, mm. and so we have to have our horses also, you know, not that we have to whack a horse to get it to listen, but that if we give them a little touch, they understand what that means and they respond to that. So if I want a little bit more bend out of my horse, I'm just going to touch him on the shoulder um, because I, I can't say, you know, hey, you're not bending. I'm going to thump you now because for sure there's going to be somebody from one of those, you know, four letter organizations that looks out there and says, hey, they're beating their horse and we're going to stop this sport and we're not going to let you do it anymore. So, so we want our horses to be responsive to the aids. We don't ever want our aids to be dull. And so we don't want to use them inappropriately. We don't want to use them repetitively to the point of making them ineffective. You know, one of my, my favorite things, and, and Glenn, you mentioned the same with children. I'm sure every person alive has been somewhere in a supermarket or something, and there's some little kid going, mommy, 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 mommy. And mommy is totally oblivious because she's been hearing it all day long. Everybody else is going nuts because it's on their nerves, but mommy has just toned it out. So we don't <laughs> want to teach our horse to tone it out. We, we want, we want the, our horses to, 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 to be um, attentive to our aids because our aids are clear and concise and, and not repetitive. And we don't keep on asking for something that they're already doing and teach them to ignore us or, or to confuse them by asking for something that they're already doing. You know, and I, I see people sometimes and they get um, – you know, it's like they're they're doing dance moves, and it's one, two, three, half halt, one, two, three, half halt, one, two, three, half halt, and so they do it no matter what. And then the horse is like, "Well, I don't know what you're asking for because you keep doing that." So I, I did what I thought you wanted, when and, and then you kept on doing the same thing. So I'm guessing I'm doing the wrong thing because you're still asking for it. We have to make sure 
part of that clear and effective aid is that when they do what we want, we reward them in some way, whether it's verbal or, you know, softening or just being quiet with our hands. But then also that if they don't, yes, sure. If, if you're asking for something and they're not doing it, then you can repeat that command until they do it or until they do something, you know, and that, that's part of the thing too. If the horse has some confusion, you know, it certainly could be that we asked in the wrong way, but if they tried something, I'm going to have to say, thank you. That's not what I wanted, but thank you for trying and try this again. You know, so, so that's important also clarity and, and fairness above all fairness. You know, if, 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 if you ask for something and your horse tries and it doesn't do what you wanted, but it did something different than what it was doing, your horse is trying and you should reward the horse for trying, even if it wasn't the right thing. Oh, you know, it's interesting. You said the mommy, mommy, mommy thing, and that made me think of hackney ponies because they're kind of like, <laughs> they're kind of <laughs> like, you know, always here, me, 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 right? And I met Sterling because I actually drove my first four. Well, let's drive as a loose term. I held the reins of a four for with four of his hackney ponies for the first time. And that's, you know, I had had a hackney pony before that was a roadster champion out of Ohio that I didn't know how to drive, and I was probably dangerous driving it. But that's one of the reasons Scooter's very popular here on the show. It's one of the reasons I got Scooter is because I just re-fell in love with hackney ponies when, when I was with you. So, you know, that's been a whole lifetime of hackney ponies now, it seems like. There are still one or two of that group around, actually. But. Are there? Yeah. 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 They're, they're special little creatures. We just did a breed segment on Alcaltechies, but hackney ponies. We'll have to do a breed segment on hackney ponies sometimes because they are unique. <laughs> they, are. They, they are, and and you know, and they're there's the the they're what they actually are, and then what the perception of them is. And they're a little bit different, but uh, they they are a lot of fun. Well, the ones I've had are just smart as could be. The one I yep. have now is the smartest horse I've ever had. Yeah, he is so smart, and that's bad in a way because you know they get away with they want to get away with stuff. Yeah, but he's so smart; he learns something, and he never forgets it ever. So you always have to make sure you teach him the right thing. Exactly, because <laughs> if you teach him the wrong thing, he's going to do it wrong forever. So, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right about that. It's so funny. Well, yeah. you're going to be doing a bunch of demonstrations, Allison. Do you want to go over that list again? Yeah. So Sterling and. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but I've got the schedule pulled up. You're doing three clinics for us. Looks like on, let's get to the first one here. Looks like on Saturday, you're doing one about navigating a combined driving marathon, how to ex how to choose and execute your route. And then on Sunday, Smooth is fast, using better techniques and obstacle driving. And then, of course, the one that we just talked a lot about, which is about improving contact and connection and creating that better communication between horse and driver. Um, of those three, which one are you looking forward to talking about the most? Oh, I, I, I enjoy all of those, actually. <laughs> you know, because for me, it's doing something like equine affair or the clinics that I teach. It's all about helping other people enjoy the sport that I love more than they may already. Yeah. And, and, and in an equine and fair, equine affair environment, exposing people to something that maybe they've never seen before or didn't have any idea about. So, so that's, that's what I, I enjoy. And, and um, you know, helping people 
you know, maybe there, there's a communication problem or there's an execution problem that I can help them with that then makes, you know, everything work better between them and their horse, that partnership to it. And, uh, and a little bit on that, the first one you mentioned, the navigating the, the hazards, there's, there's a little bit of a, that can kind of shift either way. Um, because in the sport of combined driving, we have a person who we actually call a navigator. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and this, that's more focused on, on kind of choosing the routes and planning the routes, not specifically navigating, although given the opportunity, I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to focus on the navigators themselves as well. Uh, because that's, an important, that's such an important part of the sport. Um, in, in German, the, the name for that person is, is Beifahrer, which is co-driver. Yeah. So, anyway, I never knew to, that. Yeah. Huh. That's... So, and, and I kind of want to do a little throwback to Massachusetts last year. You did an amazing driving, combined driving demo during Fantasia. Oh, yeah. um, there were three of you doing race through an obstacle course. And I was, of course, watching the horses, watching the drivers, but then the navigators. I mean, that's got to be such yeah. a cool, fun job, but also kind of crazy. Like you're just swinging back and forth depending on the turns. Like what a cool yes. job. Yeah, timing is is important, and you know I tell people often, um, you know, you don't just want to grab one of your golf buddies and throw them on the back of your carriage and then <laughs> do what I did there in the ring, because chances are it's going to end up badly for all of you. But but it is a lot of fun, and, and Allison, it's funny. Years and years ago, the U.S. hosted the, the World Pairs Championships in 1993, and there were three girls from Florida that went up there, and <clears throat> they all came home and decided they were going to buy horses and carriages and start driving. Um, one of them, though, the only real reason that she did that was because she wanted to navigate. So she did drive and she competed, but she was much more happy to have somebody else take her horse and her equipment and go navigate because she could ride with them on the back of the carriage. <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. Like, here, you you drive. I just want to be on the back and like do the timing. <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you what, the navigating ain't easy because those obstacles, they have so many gates and so many yeah. things. I would just get us lost the entire time. So <laughs> many years ago, I was getting ready for <clears throat> my first world championship as a driver. And Chester Weber was, was going to be uh, our, our coach that year. And <clears throat> he didn't, he didn't really, he was going to be the coach. So we wanted all of us to be performing at our best. And he said, what you need is you need a navigator that pretty much can do the job, you know, at, at least Maybe not as good as you can, but nearly as good as you can. And he said, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that I can still drive a little bit better my, than my navigator, but but he, he probably could do almost as good a job as I can. And that's that's sort of indicative of how important that person that's standing there behind you, helping you out, is for a, knowing how to, how to do things and then knowing how to react when things don't hit the fan or do hit the fan and aren't going quite the way they are. If we've got time, I'll tell you a very short story. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was in a um, that same season, or maybe the year before, actually, I had a pickup navigator who had known very well, and he was a navigator. He wasn't just a golf buddy. He uh, and they put in, we lost a shoe on course, and it came off in a hazard, and it wrapped around the spokes on the front axle, front oh. wheel of my carriage. Oh. And I, so we're, 
won the dressage, and we were in the next to last hazard, and we were winning hazards. They're going, I don't know. The, well, actually, I am. I know we're having fastest times in hazards because they're announcing it up the speakers. And all of a sudden, I hear this noise, and I think my carriage has just fallen apart. Uh-huh. I'm done. Selection trial, and I'm done. And then I see this horseshoe go flying through the air, and I actually know what happened. I'm like, that was the shoe wrapped around some part of my carriage. I'm okay. But then I'm like, what country am I in? What state is this? <laughs> I'm like, hey, Dave, what do I do next? And he said, keep going. I'm like, yeah, where? He said, oh, go up, turn left. And so his computer kicked back in while mine was uh, on reboot. And then <laughs> we got back on course and we went. But I had, I mean, it just like totally knocked me completely out of where we were and what we were doing. That whole panic of I'm about to lose this competition because I'm going to have to pull up because my wheel is going to fall off. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, well, that, that did happen to me, but many years later. <laughs> did the shoe hit anybody? No, no. It just good it enough that I saw it. Okay, and, and then you know, we get back and, and we finish them. We're, we've cleared the vet and we're going back up. And I walk past the farrier, and somebody walks up to him and hands him a shoe that has yellow paint on it. I said, "Oh, that would be mine." <laughs> and do you still have it <laughs> no, he put it back on <laughs> well sterling we'll see you very soon what's your website it's teamsterlingdriving.com and we'll see you in a couple of months over at equine affair in ohio so, Glenn, I think there's some cool stuff coming up for Horse Radio Network at Equine Affair, right? Yeah, not only will you be able to come over and, you know, sit in and watch us record episodes of Horses in the Morning, but one of our terrific auditors who lives near there is organizing a meetup dinner that we're going to have one of the nights. We're going to be working out the details of that hopefully this week. So I'll have some announcements about that soon. Uh, any auditors or listeners that are in the area, you can come out and we'll just have our own little get-together one of the nights of Equine Affair, and I'll let you know which night that is awesome that's going to be fun you guys have like your own private little club don't yes you? we do we have our own little club yeah. and we meet up wherever we go it's fun <laughs> do you have like a signature <laughs> we drink? have our own reindeer games that's right <laughs> <laughs> your own reindeer games i think you should have a signature drink we don't have a signature handshake, but I think that we'd be more likely to come up with a signature drink. You're right. <laughs> I think just knowing what little I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have had a few too many strawberry daiquiris on the ship last week. I save all my strawberry daiquiris for cruising because that seems like the kind of place you should have fruity drinks is on a cruise. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think the Horse Radio Network drink could be called like the scooter or something. That's right. Yes. And it would be like, fruity. There's no question about it. It would be a oh, fruity yeah. drink. Yeah. He, it would have to have an umbrella fruity. and a mm-hmm. little a carriage wheel. In, mm-hmm. in it. Yep, I think that'd I, be great. I love it. You should do it. <laughs> Somebody, one of your listeners. All right, listeners. Yes. <laughs> come, come, up with with the, the come up with the recipe for the scooter cocktail. <laughs> oh, we need that. We so need that. All right, <laughs> listeners, yes, we we need that. Auditors, scooter cocktail, that's your assignment. <laughs> we'll have the bartender make one at our, our get-together at Equine Affair. <laughs>
So, all right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Equineaffair.com is where you can find all the details of everything we talked about. Of course, in your show notes, we'll have links to all of our guests today. The schedule is up. You can find the schedule for what's happening at Equine Affair. One of the things that we need to mention yet is Fantasia. Advanced tickets for uh, all three performances of Fantasia are available online now. Don't miss your opportunity to attend North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering and the signature musical celebration of the horse happening at the Ohio Expo Center in Columbus on April 13th, 14th, 15th. It's three nights, though, the 13th, 14th, and 15th. And tickets are are for sale right now. That's a separate ticketed event. Your main ticket doesn't get you into that. You have to buy a separate ticket because it's like the big shindig in the evening. Uh, equineaffair.com is where you can buy those. They do sell out, so get your tickets now. Don't wait till next month and then whine in as that you can get a ticket. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find all the past episodes of Equine Affair on Horses in the Morning. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com, scroll down the middle of the page, and click on the Equine Affair banner right there. If you want to become an auditor, that's that thing we talk about, the special superfan group. For as little as $3 a month, you can become an auditor. Just go to Horses in the Morning, click on the auditor banner, and all the directions are right there. And then you can join that exclusive Facebook page, which is probably the most active horsey Facebook page on the Internet. Uh, they talk about everything in there, and it's kind of really become its own little community. And we look forward to meeting a bunch of you at Equine Affair, because I know a bunch said they were going. So thank you, Allison. We really appreciate it. And we will see you again next. We have, what, one one more show before we get together before in April. Person. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing you then. Yeah, me too.